1: Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hayes will be with you on a Saturday morning. What a Saturday morning. It is as well right across the wonderful state of Western Australia as I say good morning to you Paul Hazelby.
0: Good morning Robert Beaver. fantastic to be with you and uh, it's great to have the cricket back on the airwaves and that's the men's cricket, the women's Big Bash has been outstanding. Unfortunately for our Perth Scorchers they haven't been able to progress to the final, but what about our Aussies just smashing them around some big scores. They're all in form, Finch, Warner, also Smith and Maxwell as well. Looks like it's going to be a big summer for our Aussies. Yeah, certainly
1: does. Smith little bit shaky I thought off the first probably 25 to 30 deliveries that he faced but pretty much from the moment he was given not out in that overturned LBW call I thought he really put the pedal to the metal, powered the Aussies to a big score as well.
0: Did you enjoy the WBBL? Because I thought it was fantastic. It's growing in stature every year. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic uh, product
1: and I think what Cricket Australia did really well uh, particularly this year and I, I think part of it's due to COVID obviously, we know what happened with the, uh, the World Cup that was cancelled was supposed to happen in October but it, it had time to breathe. It was in its own space. I know the MBL hadn't quite started. You know, all these different things came to the fore. And I think given the, the depth of talent that is, the Australian national side has, and obviously that spills over into the WBBL, uh, but also the internationals that they were able to bring over as well, really highlighted the quality of women's cricket. And this was, I think, the sixth uh, iteration of the WBBL. Um, it's gaining... Even more so, mainstream traction, which is something that women's sport predominantly um, for the last two to three decades has really struggled to do in Australia.
0: I think it's leading the way, the women's uh, cricket. And that was evidenced by the most popular Australian sporting team went to our women's team. So well done to them. Now, mate, I just want to get to know you a bit better. <laughs> I know you love your basketball. I've only been doing but, it 18 months. Go but, on. but go uh, on. You know, I want you to rank the sports that you love. <laughs> From one through to five. Uh, we know, one is basketball being, number one?
1: Are we talking sports or leagues? So do sports I have to So do I have to differentiate between different codes of football or different, you know? No, nah, just sports. Okay, just sports. One being most liked? Yes. Basketball? You love your NBA yeah. more than your NBL? Uh, y- what yeah. do you have against Australia? I don't have anything against Australia. I, I think it, the reality is that the NBA is the preeminent Basketballing league in the world. The NBL has made significant strides in the past five years under the leadership of Larry Kesselman um, to the point where, in fact, the last five jerseys that I have bought, basketball jerseys, four of them have been NBL jerseys. Only one of them has been an NBA jersey. So that should give you an indication of how far the the NBL has come. But basketball one, uh, probably AFL two. I'd probably say in terms of being a, a spectator, probably cricket three, Oh, probably, oh, it gets a bit tough here, probably ice hockey if I'm watching it live. Mm-hmm. I love watching uh, the Perth Thunder when they had seasons. Of, obviously, didn't have one this year, but I love watching the ice hockey, a great thrill, and uh, probably... Oh. I don't mean, know maybe hockey or NFL or something after that but that that's pretty much where it sits at the moment yeah.
0: Bit different to me I've got AFL 1 cricket number 2 tennis at number 3 yeah. enjoy my tennis looking forward to the Australian summer if it goes ahead that's another talking point then at number 4 I've got basketball I don't yeah. mind watching a bit of NBL I don't watch the NBA so to speak and at number 5 soccer a good game of soccer is enjoyable unfortunately we don't see enough good ones.
1: No that is true and I I was um remiss of me to overlook tennis entirely there Because I'll tell you what, there are a few things better, and this can be said with the Tour de France as well. There are a few things better than being up till midnight, one in the morning, watching a really quality game of tennis or a really quality chase by the peloton in the Tour de France. That's all we've got time for for this part of Off the Bench. When we come back, Hayes, the dig, the rookie list in our sights. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you on your Saturday morning. Time for this.
0: The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first
1: step. Yes, Hayes. There's been a lot to talk about during the week, but the thing that has captured the attention of the Australian sporting public more than most, and this is something that I I haven't met anybody that disagrees with this, but talk us through... The AFL rookie
0: list, and what is wrong with it at the moment? Well, basically, if you're anywhere between 30 and 50, you're still a chance to get on the rookie list. That's That's what the AFL is saying. Eddie Betts (laughs) was on the rookie list. We've seen Drew Petrie in the past. It was not designed for that reason. In fact, I saw the statement from the commission going back to when the rookie list first began. It was for the development of younger players, less Mm. mature players, to give them access to the training environment in the hope that they would obviously take to that and improve and then go onto the main list, like an Aaron Sandlands back in the day, or Dean Cox is another mm-hmm. very good example. Anthony Grover was one that was not quite ready as an 18-year-old onto the rookie list, and away you go. But Matthew Boyd, another one from the Bulldogs. Yeah, I just don't understand why they can't just say, "Here's the list. It's 44. Do whatever you want with it. If you want to have Category B rookies, and even Category B rookies, do we really want to be promoting uh, other codes and other sports as well? Because ah. you know, then you don't. Then you have a scenario where the best 44 players in a Australia, aren't on the list. If you want to be another coder, go and do your stint in the waffle because I guarantee by the time you finished your waffle or your SNFL days, you'll be ready and better prepared for the heights of AFL. I, I agree with some of what you said there. The Category B thing,
1: I don't mind so much, in the sense that you have to meet a certain criteria. So, to me, you're not really taking spots away out of people who are naturalised through the Australian What do you mean pathway. you're not taking
0: spots? No, no, because the reality is that... What about Hayden Sloith at South Rimale and all these guys if he, if, the he if he, Their if Their spots!
1: If he was going to be drafted, he would have been drafted regardless. But it's he like, is better than these guys. 100%, but does he have the potential to go f- these other players, these Category B players, obviously they believe the clubs have the potential to be better than Sloth or they see something whatever it is that's not for me to, to comment on but I don't have a problem with the category B's. The rookie list is a joke. Mm. Um, Steve Hocking was on our program in the last week and he said as much and it's Steve Hocking is the master of uh, word manipulation and, and you know putting things across in a very calm and measured way but when the general manager of football from the AFL comes out and says we should probably change the name of that list. I think there's a problem. So you either, hey, as you say, you take it back to what it was supposed to be back in the day and you go, this is the criteria, whether it's you have to be under 21, you have to have played less than 30
0: games, whatever the criteria they decide is, or you scrap it all together. And then part of it, what they came up with, Beaver, throughout the week was some of the rookies can be paid outside the salary cap. <laughs> what an absolute joke. Just increase the salary cap by whatever oh. you need to do. It's not that hard. Here it is. It's $13.3 million instead of thirteen point two, And now you don't have to pay outside the salary cap. It just doesn't make sense. Simplify it. And listening to a lot of the listeners from our show throughout the week, they've been very frustrated mm. at this. And I think the AFL are just losing their way. They're trying to America A lot of the draft process, the points, the recruiting, the trade week. And I just feel they're losing, particularly the older demographic that are involved in the AFL. Maybe some of the youngsters that have grown up with the NBA and the NFL, they understand a little bit more. But the feeling I get is the older people are getting a bit left behind.
1: As someone who probably falls into the category of a younger generation, let me say this once and for all, Hayes. I love NBA, as we discussed off the top of the program, more than nearly anybody uh, that I know. The AFL draft points academy bidding system is a disgrace and a joke. It makes no sense. There's no clarity. There's no um, understanding of it from the casual fan. And even when you get these list managers and all these people on and you say, can you explain it? And they go, well, look, everything's assigned to points value and it's basically just bidding. Are you kidding me? That's the explanation mm. you give to the public is that there's a points value. I know it's actually transparent. It is published somewhere what every pick is worth in points, but I don't think the um, the general public actually understands or has half an idea of the reason things happen. We all just turn around and go, oh, that Western Bulldogs Academy prospect this year, he'll go number one, but the Bulldogs will bid the Bulldogs will get him because that's what we've been told six months ago and that's what's going to happen on draft night. That's all we've got time for on the dig. Plenty more coming up after the break.
0: Off the bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver.
1: Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul be with you. Sad news during the week, uh, if you haven't heard, Diego Maradona, the hand of God, passed away aged 60 uh, from a heart attack. Devastating news for the the wider football community uh, and a man who provided so much joy to so many people. But Hayes, um, I think in many ways the hand of God Was it a handball? Probably. It obviously wasn't called on the day, but I think it adds to his legacy like few others can claim.
0: It certainly does, and people remember that. They also remember that goal that he scored as well yeah. to get them into that World Cup final. He was a star. 1986 was the year. He played in four World Cups in total, 91 internationals, 34 goals across that. But his vision, his passing skills, and his ball skills, basically, to be able to navigate his way through traffic really separate him from some of the best. He did have his issues, didn't he, and trials and tribulations at the end of his career, and he's not the only sportsman to do that. It's quite common that you see some of these absolute floor geniuses on the sporting arena come out of it and really struggle with life after that. I think sometimes it is the accolades that they get, it is that feeling that uh, they need to be doing that sport for I guess themselves, that's what they're known the as. The pressure. Hmm. And also the adulation that they get from a lot of people that you don't really live a real life. And Nick new experiences a bit here in the West. But when you're talking about these global megastars, it's on a different scale because when they go out in public, they just don't get any time to themselves. And uh, look, he's got to be right up there with the best. Uh, I, have, I don't have a real great knowledge of all of those players, to be absolutely honest, but speaking to a lot of people, him, Palais, George Best has been thrown around. And of course, the current day players in, Ronaldo and Messi have to be right up there. I certainly do. As we head to the break, some highlights
1: of those infamous goals from the 1986 World Cup. Here's Maradona and England have contained him pretty well so far. This looking dangerous. That's a poor clearance. Maradona with Shilton. Looked like handball that.
0: Maradona celebrating and the goal's going to be given. Shilton furious and so is Peter Reid. And the England manager, Bobby Robson, can't believe
1: it. Definitely looks like handball, but the goal stands.
0: But we haven't been able to control the play in midfield the way that Maradona
1: has been able to do.
0: And he's hurt the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome
1: back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Great to hear the audio of those goals from the 1986 World Cup from Maradona, the hand of God, and, of course, pretty much single-handedly taking down the entire English team. What a player he was and he will be greatly missed by the wider football community. But let's turn our attention to today. There is racing action out at Ascot. It is the Winterbottom Stakes. Paul Hazelby.
0: Well, last week we had the Railway Stakes and William Pike on Inspirational Girl. That was unbelievable. The finish got through. In the end, did it easy. But, uh, Beav, I'm not sure if you saw it, but the vision of all the people out there, and there was a massive crowd out at Ascot. They were chanting Pikey as he came back to the stalls for the weigh-in. He's an absolute superstar. And you talk about Nick who has been probably the most popular citizen here mm. in Western Australia. I reckon he's number two because everybody who follows racing, they know him, even people that don't follow racing. You go to the races and you go, just follow Pike and you'll drink what you like. So mm. he has the favourite going around today in the Winterbottom. And normally he's on the horses of Bob Peters and Grant and Alana Williams, but he's jumped off. He's gone with James Cummings and he's riding Trekking, who is a Group 1 star in its own right over there in the east. It's been set for this race. And I like it when these... Uh, interstate visitors come over, and they come over early, and it's not an afterthought because sometimes, Beaver, they go for the big races in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and then they go, oh, we'll just go over to Perth. It's not that easy. The quality here is outstanding, but this one, Trekking, has been aimed at it and is a short-price favourite, and then you've got a few others that uh, should be in the mix. Law Road, of course, is one that'll run pretty well, I reckon. Red Can Man is a really good story. <laughs> a lot of country <laughs> folk that are involved in this, trained by uh, Stephen Wolfe. Now, it was looking like this horse would go to to the Kingston Town over mm. 1,800 after the railway stakes, because normally the progression is 16 to 18, but mm. not many horses go back to 12, so it will get its chance. It'll be on the pace, no doubt about that. The big story is Uh, Hayden Ballantyne. Now, Mm -hmm. we had obviously, recently, Dennis Pagan who was a Premiership winner with North Melbourne, then won the Victorian Derby, would you believe, as a trainer. That's one of the great stories. And this would be just as good. Ballantyne leaving footy and in such a short space of time he gets a chance. I'm not going to say it's a live chance because (laughs) the price is 126 (laughs) to 1 at the moment on his horse Mankind. Stage Man is another one that should be running home really well. It probably should have won its last two. It's ridden by Patrick Carberry and normally that is a horse that's ridden by the great William Pike. There's a couple of youngsters in there that would give it a good sight to Elite Street and also Celebrity Queen. So I look forward to them. But I'm loving what Ascot and also... In fairness, Gloucester Park are doing with the Fremantle Pacing Cup and the WA Pacing Cup next week. The promotion has been really good, and we are attracting some of the best horses to come across. So it's going to be a bumper, but I think Trekking will get the money. Who are you going for, Trekking?
1: Uh, well, look, I'll be lying to you if I said that racing's in my wheelhouse, Hayes, but uh, who would you say Pikey's on? Pikey's on trekking. Yeah, well, I think then you've got to go for trekking because, as you said, if you're just an average punter and you know nothing, get on Pikey, drink what you like. So that's who I'll be on for the winter bottom today. That's another edition of Off the Bench. Hope you've enjoyed it wherever you are in WA. We'll see
0: you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.